Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do the Green Bay Packers. And we don't find anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday, August 30th. I'm back from vacation, so that should be super exciting for all of you. Back with my mic, with the whole setup, and we're ready to record another episode of Dedicated Packers. This is the last week. Can you believe it? The last week without NFL football. Eight days from today, we'll have the first game of the regular season, Chiefs versus Lions at Arrowhead on Thursday. So again, eight days from now, in something like 12, 10 days from now, we'll have the first Packers game of the regular season at Soldier Field in Chicago against the Bears. Super, super exciting, but we have two more episodes to get to, two episodes that are not directly regular season related. So the first one we're going to do today, as you've probably ascertained from the title, it's going to be about fantasy football. A little bit of news to touch on before we jump into that. And then the one on Sunday is going to be all about predictions for the regular season. I did it last year, did pretty well in those. I have to say, I think I got MVP correct. I think I got Offensive Player of the Year correct. So I was pretty proud of that. We're going to come back. We're going to try it again this year. So Let's see how that all goes. First, big news came out yesterday, the 53-man roster. Of course, it was Tuesday, cutdowns came, and we now know exactly who's on the 53-man roster. I'm going to run through the initial 53-man roster. Two of the players on the initial 53-man ended up getting released today after some more signings, some more news came out, so we'll touch on that in a second. But first, let me just run through the initial, initial 53-man roster. At quarterback, Jordan Love and Sean Clifford. That's two correct for me. I had both of those guys, so that's two correct there from my prediction in the last episode. At the end of the last episode, if you want to go check that out. Running back, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson. I did not have Emmanuel Wilson, but I had Jones and Dillon, so that's four total for me. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, Samari Toure, Dontavion Wicks, Those guys make up your six wide receivers. That's another six correct for me. That's 10 total. At the tight end slash fullback spot, I had three, or the Packers kept three. They kept DeGuara, Musgrave, and Kraft. I had predicted that they'd keep all three of those guys, so that's now 13 total. Along the offensive line, they kept 11. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, Josh Nyman, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Rasheed Walker. Then... The next three, Caleb Jones, Royce Newman, and Luke Tenuta. I only had nine of those guys, did not have Royce Newman or Luke Tenuta. So that's only 22 total for me now. Along the defensive line, they kept six. I predicted six. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, and Jonathan Ford. So that's 28 total. Along the edge, they kept six. I predicted six. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, J.G. Nagbari, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, and Brenton Cox Jr., 34 total, correct for me, at the middle linebacker spot. They kept five. I predicted they'd keep four, but they kept five. Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, and Tariq Carpenter. 
That is four correct, so 38 total. Cornerback, they only kept four. I had them keeping five, but they only kept four. Jair, Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Carrington Valentine, and Keyshawn Nixon. 42 total correct for me. Safety, they kept five. I had them keeping five. I nailed this one. Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, Anthony Johnson Jr., Jonathan Owens, and Dallin Levitt. 47 total correct for me with two spots left. Those two spots are kicker, Anders Carlson, and punter, Dan Whelan. So that is what we have there uh, for the initial 53-man roster. In total, I got 48 correct. So that's pretty good. Obviously, I got five wrong. So what did I get wrong? I had the Packers keeping long snapper Matt Orszczyk, cornerback Shamar John Charles, wide receiver Grant DuBose, punter Pat O'Donnell, and a random third tight end from waivers. Instead, they kept a running back Emmanuel Wilson, offensive guard Royce Newman, offensive tackle Luke Tenuta, middle linebacker Tariq Carpenter, and punter Dan Whelan. The reason I'm only, you know, I'm not totally upset with myself, feels like more like four and a half wrong, is because they did end up adding a third tight end from waivers today. And we'll talk about that in a second. But so, you know, how much of that did I really get wrong? I don't know. But to be fair, you do kind of have to make do with the players they had in the roster. I didn't do that. I decided to go off script a little bit. So 48 out of 53 for me, really, there are no major surprises in terms of who they kept. Running through the positions quickly again at quarterback, Clifford and Love, as expected there. Running back, Jones and Dylan, totally expected. Emmanuel Wilson is kind of a surprise. If you'd asked me before the roster came out, I would have bet on them only keeping two running backs. And if you told me they kept three, I would have said it's probably Patrick Taylor, simply because of all the little things he does well, the pass pro, the special teams, all of that. But Emmanuel Wilson had a standout, a standout preseason, and they must have liked what they saw from him. He showed some exceptional burst. He's a strong physical running back, and I think they wanted to protect him. They didn't want to risk him getting picked up on waivers, not to mention the fact that when we look at contracts, A.J. Dillon's going to be a free agent after this year. Aaron Jones' contract, he's still under contract for next year, but it, you know, the salary kicks up a little bit. So there's a chance they release Aaron Jones, definitely a chance they don't re-sign A.J. Dillon. That means you might be looking at Emmanuel Wilson as your running back one in 2024. So this is a guy that you could be seeing a lot more of as the years go on. Super excited for Emmanuel Wilson, undrafted free agent, but an awesome story for him. So happy he made the roster. It's it's so awesome for Emmanuel Wilson. Can't overstate that. A wide receiver, They kept six. The six they kept, I mean, absolutely what you'd expect. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, Dontavion Wicks, and Samari Toure. Shout out to Malik Heath. Super, super awesome for him. Undrafted free agent, but, you know, he got a shout out from Goody in Goody's press conference today. Malik Heath, just a great job, has impressed all of camp. Basically the fourth Packers wide receiver right now. So super, super awesome. Malik Heath, phenomenal job. Kind of surprised they released Grant DuBose. He'd made a couple of plays, but, you know, he came back on the practice squad. So there's really no concern there. They just didn't spend a a roster spot on him. So if anything, that's that's kind of ideal for them. But I mean, I predicted they'd, they'd keep Grant DuBose, but they cut him. Didn't matter, didn't get picked up, and he's now back on the practice squad. We'll go through the practice squad in a second here. A tight end slash fullback, Musgrave, Kraft, DeGuara, obviously not much to say there. I had all those guys being kept. Along the offensive line, I had the first nine guys. Bakhtiari, Elton, Myers, Runyon, Nyman, 
Tom, Sean Ryan, Rashid Walker, and Caleb Jones. The last two, Royce Newman and Luke Tenuta, those really are the only two slightly surprising. Luke Tenuta, he's likely, or we basically know at this point, he was just kept to be put on IR. Um, so the Packers didn't want to lose him, so they kept him on the 53-man roster. If they'd just put him on the IR right away, he would have been out for the season, but they didn't. They likely didn't want to take that chance, so they put him on the 53, and then soon, we expect, are going to just move him to IR. The other slightly surprising one, Royce Newman. Look, man, I had them cutting Royce Newman because I thought you can probably afford to lose him, but... I have no problem with you keeping Royce Newman as that 10th offensive lineman. He definitely hasn't played super well in any of his recent opportunities, but he's a depth piece, and hey man, if there's a roster spot for him, why not keep him? Along the defensive line, I I sort of expected exactly what they do. They kept Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, and Jonathan Ford. Along the edge... Kept six guys, as I expected. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, J.G. Nagbari, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, and Brenton Cox Jr., like I did with Emmanuel Wilson and Malik Heath. Shout out Brenton Cox Jr., undrafted free agent, but he battled, showed out throughout OTAs, mini camps, and training camp, especially in the preseason games. Awesome job by, uh, by Brenton Cox Jr., so, so happy for him making the roster. At the cornerback spot, they kept four. A little bit surprising. So they kept Jair, Rasul, Carrington Valentine, and Keyshawn Nixon. That makes them pretty shallow at the cornerback spot. I'm assuming they're going to bring someone like William Hooper up from the practice squad on game days. So next week when they go play Chicago, you can expect someone like William Hooper to be called up because you're going to want more depth at the cornerback spot. But I assume they thought none of the other cornerbacks were going to get claimed. So they said, hey, why not? Why not just keep four? At safety, they kept five, as I expected. They kept Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, Anthony Johnson Jr., Jonathan Owens, and Dallin Levitt. They cut Tarverius Moore. That's really the only moderately surprising cut, but after his injury, I predicted that he would get cut. He wasn't doing great in camp, and the injury likely made it a pretty easy decision for the Packers. The kicker they kept was Anders Carlson. So that one's obvious, but the punter they kept is Dan Whelan, and this is very, very interesting. I expected Pat O'Donnell to be kept. I think most people expected Pat O'Donnell to be kept. Dan Whelan, he's younger, he's cheaper, and Pat O'Donnell seemed to get worse as last year went on. In camp this year, both O'Donnell and Whelan had good camps, great camps, I think Brian Gutekunst said, but he said basically Dan Whelan came in, battled every day, earn the spot, and that's basically what we've heard. Also, an interesting note, seems like Dan Whelan, from what I could tell from going back and looking at preseason games, Dan Whelan's holds were always ones where, on on field goals and PATs, were always ones where Anders made the, made the kick. So, maybe a little bit of holding went on there in the, or holding, you know, they took the holding into account when deciding whether or not to keep Dan Whelan or Pat O'Donnell. And then overall, Dan Whelan being younger, cheaper, and playing just about as well as O'Donnell probably made the decision clear for them. Long snapper, they didn't keep a single long snapper. Surprising, yes, to a degree, but Matt Orszczyk was back at practice today, so even though they technically didn't keep him on the 53-man roster, you have to imagine that he's basically back now, he's back on the 53, and Luke Tenuta will be placed on IR. So at some point today, I expect that news to come out, that or tomorrow, 
that Luke Tenuta has been placed on IR and Matt Orszczyk has officially been signed back to the 53. That is pretty much what I have for you in terms of the initial 53. So quickly running through your initial 53. Quarterback, Jordan Love, Sean Clifford. Running back, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Emmanuel Wilson. Receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath, Samari Toure, and Dontavion Wicks. Tight end slash fullback, Deguara, Musgrave, Kraft. Offensive line, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Rennie Jr., Josh Nyman, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, Rasheed Walker, Caleb Jones, Royce Newman, and Luke Tenuta. Though Luke Tenuta going to be placed on IR, Matt Orszczyk going to be brought in as the long snapper. Defensive line, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, Jonathan Ford. Edge, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, J.J. Enigbari, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, Brenton Cox Jr. Middle linebacker, Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, Tariq Carpenter. Cornerback, Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Carrington Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon. Safety, Rudy Ford, Donnell Savage, Anthony Johnson Jr., Jonathan Owens, Down Levitt. Kicker, Anders Carlson, punter, Dan Whelan. Long snapper, technically none, though. Matt Orszczyk was brought back, and that is what I have for you on that 53 man moving on signings today today green bay signed a safety zine anderson from the buffalo bills and tight end ben sims so they took those guys off of waivers so basically when a team releases a guy other teams have the chance to put in a waiver claim and steal a guy so there's an order to which waiver claim goes so the team with the worst record last year is has highest priority and then it goes in decreasing order based on record packers Ended up getting those two guys, Zion Anderson and Ben's Ben Sims. Most important guy there to keep an eye on is Ben Sims. He's a very strong blocking tight end. Goody mentioned how fast, how athletic he is. He's likely going to be very useful in 13 or even 12 personnel packages when the Packers have, you know, two or three tight ends on the field and when they need blocking from the tight end spot. Now, because they signed both of those guys, they have to get added to the 53-man roster. And that means that the Packers have to cut two of the guys from the initial 53-man roster. So the two guys that they cut, Tariq Carpenter and Jonathan Ford, obviously two guys that must have been on the fringe of the roster. Carpenter, safety slash middle linebacker, just never really panned out a decent special teams piece. But he's off the 53-man, as is Jonathan Ford. And so in their place, you have safety Zion Anderson and tight end Ben Sims. Now... Likely, Tariq Carpenter and Jonathan Ford are going to be added back to the practice squad. So, that means that two of the guys from the, or one of the guys, well, we'll talk about what that means for the practice squad in a second. But, those two guys, Tariq Carpenter and Jonathan Ford, no longer on the 53. In their place, you have safety Zion Anderson and tight end Ben Sims. Now, moving on to the practice squad. Green Bay has currently 16 guys on their practice squad. Now, you're technically allowed 16 guys on the practice squad. One of these guys on the practice squad is Kenneth Odumegwu, and because he's a part of the International Player Pathway Program, he's a free, free guy that the Packers get to keep. So, essentially, they get to keep 17 guys, including Kenneth. They only have 16. And what that means is one of the guys that I'm about to read off is going to get cut, so that'll drop them down to 15 guys in total. And then they're going to add Tariq Carpenter and Jonathan Ford, assuming those guys clear waivers, the two guys they cut from the 53, back into the practice squad, bringing their total up to 17. But as of right now, the current practice squad, quarterback Alex Magoo, running back Patrick Taylor, wide receiver Grant DuBose, wide receiver Bo Melton, 
Fullback, Henry Pearson. Tight end, Austin Allen. Tackle, Kadeem Telfert. Center, James Empey. D-line, Chris Slayton. Edge, Keyshawn Banks. Edge, Aaron Mosby. Edge, Kenneth Odumegwu. Cornerback, Keandre Thomas. Cornerback, Corey Ballantyne. Safety, Ennis Gaines. And safety, Benny Sapp. Again, that's 16 guys there. One of those guys is going to get cut, bringing their total down to 15. Tariq Carpenter and Jonathan Ford, once they clear waivers, they're going to get added, bringing the total up to 17, which they're allowed to do because Kenneth Odomegwu doesn't count as a roster spot, but he gets to be on the practice squad and help develop and super awesome in terms of growing the game. That's what I have on the roster. So if I if you want me to run through the current uh, 53-man roster, or what we expect it to be within the coming days. Quarterback, Sean Clifford, Jordan Love. That all stays the same. Running back stays the same. Wide receiver is going to stay the same. Tight end is going to change a little bit. You're going to add a tight end. So you have DeGuara, Musgrave, Kraft. Now you're going to have Ben Sims. Along the offensive line, we're likely going to drop Luke Tenuta. So he's going to be gone. In his place, Matt Orszczyk is going to take over the long snapper spot. Defensive line is going to drop down one spot. Jonathan Ford is going to come off. Edge is going to stay the same. Middle linebacker is going to drop one spot. Tariq Carpenter is going to come off that. So you're just going to have Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah McDuffie, and Eric Wilson. Cornerback's going to stay the same. Safety, they're going to add one. Zion Anderson. Kicker's going to stay the same. Punter's going to stay the same. And then long snapper, of course. Matt Orszczyk added, as I mentioned, when Luke Tenuta goes to IR. Little bit of other news to get to. Jonathan Taylor. So let's start from the beginning. Just a super, super quick run through. Jonathan Taylor has been angry with the Colts. And the two have really been going back and forth because the Colts have been mistreating Taylor, basically unwilling to to pay him what he deserves, he believes, what he believes he deserves. The Colts have sort of said he had a back injury, even though Taylor came out on his own and said, look, I never had this back injury. They're putting fake things out there. Then the Colts put him on the PUP list with this supposed back injury. Basically, the two have been fighting a lot. It was announced, I want to say a week ago, that the Colts would be allowing Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade. Then, just a couple days ago, it was announced, so after really nothing went through there, it was uh, reported that Jonathan Taylor will be put on the PUP and not traded. So to start the season on the PUP, not going to be traded. Now, it sort of seemed like that was the end of that. Jonathan Taylor is going to be angry at the Colts. Colts were going to say, we don't care. You're our running back. But it was reported this morning that the Packers are a team surprisingly in the Jonathan Taylor trade conversation. And people started getting worked up over that because it's trade news. And Jonathan Taylor is a really good running back. He suffered with he suffered from injuries a little bit last year. But in 2021, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's the reason I won my fantasy league in 2021. And keep your eyes on fantasy because we're going to talk about that in a second. But Jonathan Taylor's the reason I won my fantasy league. He's an extremely talented, dynamic running back. But here's the deal. He's also a running back. And running backs widely throughout the NFL are not considered worth spending premium draft picks, any large amounts of money, or really any sort of major capital on. Because the amount of hits they take and the amount of snaps that they take leads to a lot of wear and tear on their body, which means that they generally have shorter careers, at least shorter careers at a high level. 
and they have a relatively small impact on the team. A lot of the New Age analytics has talked about how running backs are a lot less important for a good running game than a strong offensive line. I do probably, in general, I, I wouldn't say I disagree with that. I think that, in general, you know, if you're trying to build a good run, run game, you want to build your offensive line first. You don't want to go out and try to draft a lot of really good running backs, and if you're going to be spending premium draft picks anywhere... It should be at positions that make a premium difference. That means quarterback, wide receiver, edge, even offensive tackle and cornerback, right? But not running back. That being said, I would not hate at all trading for Jonathan Taylor, and I would not just dismiss it and shut it down. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I would not see it, foresee it happening, and I, I mean, don't get your hopes up. But for the right price... Any deal is a good deal. And Aaron Jones is aging. We know that. A.J. Dillon, his season last year was disappointing. That means that if you trade for Jonathan Taylor, it's likely going to be your, your first string running back next year. Packers can pay him a little bit, pay him maybe what Aaron Jones is making and get rid of Aaron Jones next year, or they keep both Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones. That would be a disgusting running back duo. Now, I don't want to give up a first-round pick. That would be ridiculous. Trading a first-round pick for a running back should never happen. But... If Green Bay says, and Goody says, hey, Colts, we know you want to get rid of Taylor, but you're probably not getting a lot of great offers. We'll trade you A.J. Dillon and a third-round pick and maybe some backup offensive lineman. Maybe maybe we trade you Sean Ryan, or maybe we trade you just A.J. Dillon and Josh Nyman, and we give you those two for Jonathan Taylor. I'm not going to hate that at all, and here's why. Because let's just say they trade A.J. Dillon and Josh Nyman. Now, I haven't looked too much into this. Might be something the Colts are interested in exploring. You get rid of A.J. Dillon, but you get back a much better running back than Jonathan Taylor. I love A.J. Dillon. I think A.J. Dillon's a good piece to have. But he's not a great piece. He's certainly not one that's worth not taking Jonathan Taylor over. So you get rid of A.J. Dillon, you bring in Taylor instead. And then you get rid of Josh Nyman. Now, Josh Nyman, very good, or, you know, a decent starting tackle. That's very valuable in the NFL. But the Packers have a lot of depth at tackle. David Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, your top two tackles right now, your top two starting tackles. Not to mention the fact Elton Jenkins probably can play a bunch of tackle. He wasn't great at right tackle last year, but he was so good at left tackle in 2021 when David Bakhtiari was injured. Who else do they have? They have Rashid Walker, who's now jumped up ahead of Josh Nyman. He's been phenomenal. They have Caleb Jones, who, you know, he had ups and downs to a degree in the preseason, but in general, he looked really solid. And when you look at the totality of everything that he's put on film in, in preseasons, mainly, because that's all that he's played in, there's a huge amount of potential there. And that means that you, when you look at the Packers, you're almost five deep at the tackle spot, not to mention Luke Tenuta, who the Packers seemed to like a huge amount last year. He was active a lot of the time on game day, ahead of guys like Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones. So that's just an example of a trade package that I wouldn't hate exploring because of how dynamic of a player Jonathan Taylor is. But I just wanted to mention it, thought it was maybe worth having a quick conversation about, look, man, probably not going to happen, so don't get your hopes up or don't get too down and angry already. But thought it was something worth mentioning. And then the last thing to talk about, Brian Gutekunst. He had a pressure today. It didn't say too much interesting. 
he was asked sort of, you know, was it the intention to have to create the super young roster? The Packers have the youngest 53-man roster in the NFL. Um, it has an average, I believe, of 20 or 24.9. That's the average age on the roster. That is the youngest in something like six years in the NFL. Basically, they're extremely young. I mean, the oldest player on the team is David Bakhtiari. He's 31. The second oldest is Preston Smith at 30. And then after that, they don't have a single player who's above 30. Goody sort of responded to that question saying, no, my intention was not to make the roster super young. My intention was to make the roster fast and athletic. And this is the result. And I can't wait to watch that. That's pretty much all that Goody said that's worth noting. So we'll move on now to the main portion of this episode. After 24 minutes, we're finally moving on to fantasy football. And people love fantasy football. Why wouldn't you love fantasy football? Look, anyone who looks at fantasy football as a way of measuring how good a player is doesn't know what they're talking about. That is a number one, the biggest thing to get out of the get out of the way. And I don't think that fantasy football should in any way be a measuring stick of pretty much anything. The worst thing is when people start to get angry at players over their fantasy football performance. Who cares? But as a game to play with your friends, and have some fun. Fantasy football is awesome. And I thought, why not make a Packers episode dedicated, dedicated Packers, to covering exactly which Packers players you should and shouldn't be drafting in your fantasy drafts. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to start with quarterback, go to wide receiver, go to running back, go to tight end, go to defense, and go to kicker. We're going to talk about all that. And we're going to talk about who you should be drafting, who you shouldn't. So, first of all, Jordan Love. I'm just going to say it. Don't draft Jordan Love. There are so many reasons not to draft Jordan Love. And the biggest has nothing to do with his play. Most of the biggest. There's multiple reasons, and most of the biggest don't have anything to do with his play. So, first of all, let's talk about his play a little bit. Yeah, it's his first year. That means he's going to be inconsistent, and that's probably a reason you don't want to draft him. But, beyond that, the biggest reason I wouldn't draft Jordan Love is that Matt's offense is not great for quarterback fantasy points. Aaron Rodgers, let's look at him in 2020. That was a year where he threw for 48 touchdowns. He was the clear MVP by a mile, one of the best seasons of Aaron Rodgers' career, but he was still only the third or fourth best fantasy quarterback behind guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Some of that was Aaron Rodgers' age and his lack of scrambling because scrambling is a great way of getting points from quarterbacks in fantasy. But another portion of that is the idea that Matt likes to run the ball more than someone like Andy Reid or the Bills. And that means that Jordan is going to be a guy that you maybe want to consider having on your roster because maybe there's a world where Jordan goes crazy and he ends up being a a phenomenal quarterback. But other than that, there are so many guys at quarterback who you can be more sure of having a good season because they're not in their first year starting. And far more importantly, there are a lot more guys who, even though they might not be as good a quarterback as Jordan, play in more aggressive, air raid style passing offenses. And so if we just if you just want to look at quarterbacks that, you know, play in offenses like that, I mean, obviously there are some that are much better than Jordan. So if we're looking at Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, not only are, are they going to throw the ball much more than Jordan, they're also, let's be honest, better quarterbacks than Jordan Love. But beyond that, someone like Jared Goff, 
he's going to get more opportunities to throw the ball, I would imagine, than Jordan Love. Kirk Cousins, going to get more opportunities to throw the ball than Jordan Love. Geno Smith, same thing. Dak Prescott, probably same thing. So it's guys like that that I don't necessarily believe are better quarterbacks than than Jordan Love, but guys that are going to be able to throw the football more and as a result going to accumulate more fantasy points. So that's why I would shy away from drafting Jordan Love. Looking at Aaron Jones, I will stick by this. Aaron Jones is a top three running back in football. He was in 2020, was in 2019, was in 2021, and he was last year. Now, Aaron Jones doesn't get the respect that he deserves and that I think the Packers are aware that he deserves. And that's for a couple of reasons. I think one of the biggest is that the Packers are cautious with how much they use him. And that's why his stats aren't as bananas as Derrick Henry's. It's why, for people that judge how good a player is based on their fantasy football performance, maybe Aaron Jones' performances are, are lost on people a little bit. Now, I don't think that should be the case, because if you watch Aaron Jones run, I mean, actually watch how he runs, he is ludicrously elusive. You would also believe he's a top three running back if you sat down and you went through all this Aaron Jones film, but people don't do that, of course. Now, in fantasy, the actual quality of a player, that doesn't really matter as much. It's all about stats. And if I had to predict what Aaron Jones' stats are going to be like, I'd say they're going to be very similar to previous seasons. That means like 10th to 15th in terms of fantasy points. So what I'm saying is draft Aaron Jones where you would have drafted him in previous years. Because this is another year where Matt LaFleur is not going to pound Aaron Jones into the ground. He's not going to be that... I mean, he's probably going to be a bell cow back to a degree, but not to the degree that Derrick Henry is a bell cow back. And that is simply why he's with fewer touches. He's not going to put up the incredible stats that someone like CMC, Christian McCaffrey, or Austin Eckler, or Derrick Henry would put up. And that's sort of the reality around Aaron Jones. Now, the one thing you might see more of, and this is one reason perhaps maybe to draft Aaron Jones around earlier, the one thing you might see more of with Aaron Jones is goal line carries. He had just two rushing touchdowns last year, and most of that wasn't his fault. It was because he got relatively few carries on the goal line. And the funniest thing was, it's not like he was ineffective on the goal line. He just simply didn't get the ball. And even with that, he was right around a top 10 fantasy running back. So look for similar production this year. Don't expect too much more. But hey, if you end up drafting Aaron Jones, you can feel a little bit optimistic because if I had to bet, I'd bet he gets more than two rushing touchdowns this year. I'd put it around six, seven, or eight. And we all know rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns are gold in fantasy. Look for more of those from Aaron Jones this year. So that's what I have there in terms of Aaron Jones. Draft him where you would have drafted him in previous years. I will give you one reason to be optimistic, and that is increased goal line carries. The other running back on the Packers that's worth taking a look at is A.J. Dillon. And A.J. Dillon probably shouldn't be starting on your fantasy team. He's more of a supplemental piece, in my mind. He's a, from a real football standpoint, forgetting about fantasy for half a second, he's a great compliment to Aaron Jones. But back to fantasy football, the issue is that in fantasy, you want a bell cow back. You want a running back that gets 20 carries a game because that's how you accumulate yards and that's how you accumulate stats and that's how you get fantasy points. But A.J. Dillon is not that. The biggest thing is he's the second best running back on his own team. So Aaron Jones is probably going to get more carries than A.J. Dillon. 
Then there's the fact that Aaron Jones himself doesn't even get a huge number of carries. So A.J. Dillon, also not going to get a huge number of carries. And then there's maybe the equally big issue that while Matt likes to run the ball more than Andy Reid or, or, you know, Sean McDermott of the Bills, their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, I guess we'd be talking about, Matt is not the biggest fan of running the ball. Now, he likes under center stuff. He loves motion. He loves tight, condensed formations, all of which are very Shanahan-esque from a scheme standpoint. But the big thing that Matt hasn't carried over too much from Shanahan is, I don't want to say running the football because he runs the football plenty. He runs it more than plenty of coaches in the league, but the absolute commitment to the run. Some of their lack of running, the Packers' lack of running in 2022, 2021, you could probably have that fall on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. But even in practice now with Jordan, we're hearing how much more Matt emphasizes the pass. And so when you combine that with the fact that A.J. Dillon is the second best back on his team, it's hard to imagine him being a top fantasy contributor. Now, if Matt decides every single goal line carry is going to go to A.J. Dillon, first of all, that would mean things might get a little bit tougher for the Aaron Jones owners, the people who own Aaron Jones in fantasy. But from an A.J. Dillon standpoint, that, that'd be positive. That's um, That would definitely make it worth starting A.J. Dillon. But I tend to doubt that happens. And as a result, I find it hard to imagine him ever being a guy that's a top contributor in fantasy. And all in all, I would steer clear of A.J. simply because he's never going to be a consistent runner in terms of yard production because he's that second best back and he's always going to be getting the carries that Aaron Jones isn't getting. It's going to be inconsistent. You're not going to be able to bet on that. And there might be a game where he gets you two touchdowns, but there'll be plenty of weeks where he gets you none. Moving on to the wide receiver spot, Christian Watson. Aside from Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, he's a guy, he's the other main packer that I would guess, is going drafted in every single fantasy draft. And A.J. Dillon is probably going drafted in every single fantasy draft too. But Christian Watson and Aaron Jones, they're going to be going relatively high. And that's because, talking specifically about Christian Watson, there is a very real world where he becomes a top 10 receiver this year. Puts up ludicrous fantasy numbers because of all of his explosive plays. The justification for that is twofold. First of all, he's extremely talented. He's a extremely explosive, extraordinarily freakish athlete that makes explosive plays. Regardless of any sort of improvement he's done on the mental side or nuance in his routes, all that, he makes explosive plays because of the athlete that he is. The other justification, the other sort of argument for him ending up putting ridiculous fantasy numbers on the board is he's going to get targeted something like 8, 9, 10 times a game. And some of those targets will be on routes where he has to win and he has to make tough catches. And a lot of the time I expect him to win his routes. You know, some of the times I expect him to drop balls, whatever. But in the highest upside scenario, his 20 and 30 point games are going to come where he's consistently winning those routes and consistently catching those balls. So, you know, five of those targets, it's Christian Watson singled up. Jordan says, hey, Christian, you're going to have to win this matchup. Christian wins the matchup, Jordan puts a good ball on him, and the result is some big 50-plus yard catches, a couple of explosive touchdowns, and then you're going to supplement those, you know, four or five catches with four to five manufactured touches, and you can pencil those touches in for him every game, and those touches are why I said he's a relatively high floor, high ceiling receiver, 
it's because of those manufactured touches. So the high ceiling comes in from those big explosive plays, the potential that he ends up being a dominant receiver, putting up explosive plays, you know, one every game. The high floor comes from the fact that he's going to get the ball a bunch. And the worst outcome, aside from injury, an injury can plague any receiver out there. So aside from injury and assuming Jordan stays healthy, the worst outcome for Christian Watson is that he's a receiver that has ups and downs, some good games, some bad games, but his down games all come where he still gets these manufactured touches. And that means, and that's all he gets. All he gets is the manufactured touches, but that's still going to mean, you know, four or five receptions for 40 yards or so. If you're in a PPR league, that's an automatic nine points. If you're in half PPR, that's, you know, six to seven points. And that means that best case scenario, Christian Watson is going to be a receiver consistently putting up, in the worst case, six to seven points from his manufactured touches. In the best case, he's a guy that's putting up 15 to 20 because he has the six to seven from his manufactured touches every single game. And then most games, he's putting up an extra, you know, 50 plus yard reception, 40 plus yard touchdown, something like that. And that's why I'm so high on Christian Watson, because not only is there a world where he ends up being a top receiver, and if he turns into a top receiver, he's going to explode in fantasy. But even if he doesn't turn into that guy, he's going to get the football a bunch. And when you have a team that's force feeding a receiver the football, I don't want to say force feeding. When you have a team that's, you know, giving the football to a receiver a lot, that receiver is without a doubt, no question, going to be putting up good fantasy points. So that's why I like Christian Watson in fantasy specifically. I love him as a receiver. We can talk about why Christian's good as a receiver. We have talked about why he's good as a receiver. Forgetting just about that, I love him in fantasy because of how much I expect him to get the football. Moving on to more wide receivers on the Packers, Romeo Dobbs. Now, now while Christian, he's a guy that I would encourage targeting in your fantasy draft. Romeo Dobbs is a guy that I would consider waiting on. And here's why. Everything that's so great about Christian Watson doesn't apply as much to Romeo Dobbs. Watson, I said he's going to be the guy that gets the manufactured targets, the jet sweeps, the balls in the flat. Dobbs is not going to be that guy. There is going to be a couple of plays every game where he gets a manufactured target. He's going to get a, you know, a run solution here or there. But there is definitely a world where the Packers offense stinks for a game and Dobbs doesn't get a single target because he's not that playmaker that Christian Watson is. So in other words, the floor is lower for Romeo Dobbs. There's games that he'll probably put up where the offense goes to shit, and instead of Watson putting up his, you know, six or seven points, Romeo Dobbs is going to put up nada, or maybe one. From a ceiling standpoint, there's 100% a chance that Dobbs goes off, that he becomes this great receiver for the Packers. I think he could become you know, the best wide receiver on their team, he has that potential. So does Christian Watson, don't get me wrong. They could both be top 10, top, 10, top 15 receivers in the NFL. So Dobbs has the ceiling, but I would guess that when we look at that ceiling coming to fruition, it's less likely than Watson's because Romeo Dobbs isn't a guy that can make the explosive play. He's not a guy that you can get the football to, you know, five-yard slant, and boom, he's gone to the house. He's just not that player. And that means that it's going to take Romeo Dobbs, like, actually reaching his ceiling and actually turning into this dynamic playmaker that defenses are fearing, a guy that's consistently winning all the time and winning with nuance and precision in routes. 
it's going to take that for Romeo Dobbs to reach a ceiling that Christian Watson can reach by just being a little bit athletic and just getting the ball and running with it. And so if we're looking at Romeo Dobbs, I think he'll be good. I think there's a world where he reaches a very high ceiling, averages something like 12 points a game. But more realistically, I'm thinking he's going to have some games where he puts up three to four, a couple where he puts up, you know, 15, 20, and then plenty where he puts up something like seven to 10. And that's fine. And he's someone worth taking a shot on. You get into later rounds of the draft, take a shot on running the Dobbs, but he doesn't have that high floor of Watson. The ceiling probably isn't as high. And if you had to ask me where I'd expect it to average out to, the average is going to be lower with Romeo Dobbs. Looking at Jaden Reed, the last receiver, I just wanted to mention this real quick for anyone thinking, you know, maybe we should draft Jaden Reed, been getting hype out of training camp. Don't draft Jaden Reed. I mean, first of all, he's wide receiver three. Name, Name any wide receiver threes that are getting drafted in fantasy football. So that's the first big thing. That's probably the biggest argument for why you shouldn't draft Jaden Reed and sort of extending off of that. He's going to get a decent number of targets, yes, but it's going to be him, a lot of him, working over the middle with Luke Musgrave on the field. And when you have both those guys, they're going to have to be splitting reps. And just in general, like the biggest reason, it has nothing to do with Jaden Reed as a player. I love him as a player, but wide receiver threes are risky. They're unnecessary to draft. And when he's a rookie, it's especially risky. I just would leave Jaden Reed alone for now. Moving on to the tight end. Luke Musgrave. Now, this is fun. Luke Musgrave, he is he's a guy that you can pick maybe in you know the third to last round as a backup tight end. He is extremely athletic. And so as a result, there is a world where he ends up putting up decent tight end numbers, maybe six, seven touchdowns, something like 600 yards. But still... That only leaves you with an average of like five, six points per game, which is not great. And then when you also take into account the fact that he's a rookie, there's a chance that his stats are not nearly that good. And that means that while his upside is definitely draftable, you have so many better choices from Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson to Evan Ingram, right? There's so many better choices for you. So if you're going to take Luke Musgrave, it's okay. I don't mind it, but it has to be later in the draft. And it has to be, you have to be aware when you're drafting him that there's only a small world where he turns out to be even a decent tight end for you. And in fantasy specifically, not saying anything about the player. And that's the biggest thing I want to make clear. Like when I say any of this, I'm talking specifically about fantasy. And that's very different than real football. But that's the reality with Luke Musgrave. Going on to the defense, the Packers defense. If you draft Green Bay's defense, I mean, you should probably retire from fantasy football. Because in fantasy, defenses are a choose-by-opponent type of pick. Often you draft a defense because you're like, this defense is going to be good this year. But then in reality, once you get into the season, you end up picking up defenses on a weekly basis. And you're like, oh, this defense is playing the Houston Texans. I want this defense. And you pick them up, and they put up, you know, 10, 20, sometimes even 30, 40 points for you. And that's when your opponent gets really mad. So... That's sort of how teams, fantasy teams, like to play around with defenses. When Green Bay plays a good offense, that means you're probably not going to be starting their defense regardless. When Green Bay plays a bad one, however, this is the biggest reason why you shouldn't pick them up, draft them, anything. Unlike some defenses like San Francisco, Green Bay doesn't feast on bad offenses. Instead, they make those offenses seem competent, passable, 
And that's called the Joe Barry approach. Now, it doesn't, I'm not going to crap on it too much because it's won the Packers games to a degree last year, not as much, but definitely in 2021. But it's not good for fantasy. They don't force the opposing team to beat them. As a result, you don't get the big plays that people love in fantasy, the pick sixes, right? The massive turnovers, the sacks. I bought into Green Bay's defense last year. It cost me, and I'm going to need Joe Barry, specifically Joe Barry, to prove something to me before I buy into anything. So that's why I'm saying steer clear of Green Bay's defense. And then lastly, Anders Carlson. Don't draft Anders Carlson. I'm not even convinced I want him starting for Green Bay this year, and that's with 32 kickers in the NFL. I'm not convinced he's a top 32 kicker. In fantasy, you only need like 12 kickers, and there's so many more kickers to draft. I mean, start at the top, you have Justin Tucker, but then you go all the way down his brother Daniel Carlson, and even further down to Young Wake on the Falcons. There are so many better kickers to draft, so don't draft Anders Carlson. And that's what I have for you. That's what I have for you in this fantasy special for Green Bay. Start at the top. Jordan Love, quick summary. Don't draft Jordan. Matt's offense isn't friendly to quarterbacks collecting stats, specifically passing yards. Aaron Jones, expect similar production to Aaron Jones last year. You want something to be optimistic about? Goal line carries, increased goal line carries. A.J. Dillon, you can draft him, but you just have to be aware he's probably not going to be a major contributor. You shouldn't be drafting him expecting for him to be a major contributor. To your team, Christian Watson, relatively high floor, definitely a high ceiling. Worth thing a shot on in the uh, in, in the earlier rounds. You can't hate having Christian Watson on your fantasy team. Romeo Dobbs, a guy that you want to draft later than Christian Watson, but... You get into those later rounds, there's not a lot of awesome options, and Romeo Dobbs, he's another guy that I don't hate taking a shot on. Jaden Reed, stay clear of wide receiver threes. Jaden Reed, not a guy you should be targeting. Luke Musgrave, you can draft him, but it's got to be late, and you have to be aware of the fact that he's probably going to contribute nothing for you, and he should not be your starting tight end. Defenses and kicker do not draft Green Bay's defense or their kicker. Defense and Andres Carlson, leave them to the waivers. And that's what I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you all have fun, whether you just had your fantasy draft and my advice is too little too late, or your fantasy draft is coming up. Hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully we had some fun. You all had some fun. You learned maybe something. We talked about the 53-man roster, talked about all of that. I will be back on Saturday giving my, on Sunday, pardon me, giving my predictions for Green Bay's season, but... That is what I have for you until next time. And as always, Go Pack Go!